Shaking that ass on the floor Bumping and grinding that pole The way she's grinding that pole I think I'm losing control Get more, get drunk, get crunk, get buzzed up Hit the strip club, don't forget one Skip the big buns, get rubbed, zip it up Get wasted, wasted, pasted, plastic Puke, drink off, get a new drink Put the bathroom sink off Wipe your shoe clean, got a routine going Still got a few chunks on them shoestrings Showing I was dehydrated to the beat vibrated I was revived as soon as the chick gyrated Them hips and licked them lips and that was it I had to get Nate dog get to sing something Two to the one, from the one to the three I like good and I like good You smoke so much you wouldn't believe And I get more wet than a toilet seat Three to the one, from the one to the three I met a bad last night in the deep Let me tell you how I made a leave with Spoiler alert, the way he ha- he had her leave with him was conversation and Hennessy. Sorry to cut it off, but it already did go over a minute. But this clean version of Shake That by Eminem and Nate Dogg is, was too funny to not play a substantial amount of. Uh, by the way, hello. I am Kate. This is the Be There in Five podcast, where I like to bookend my episodes with some of my favorite songs from any genre, whether they're uh, real or fictional from a TV show or movie, or it's from an artist's worst album and a song that wasn't even a single. I um, have no rhyme or reason. I truly decide on these uh, the minute I start recording. And I've been into my college iPod lately, and uh, this song came on and I always thought it, this, the, the beat was incredible and I loved this song and it was like on every playlist I had. But the problem with this song is that I feel like usually with songs that have dirty lyrics, they have like dirty components that you can kind of actively skip or like watermelon mouth the lyrics over. But this one, it's, a, it's truly every other word. The one I put in the regular version at first, I couldn't even use two seconds of it. It would alarm your children. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. It comes in. It comes in strong. And it would. And I, I am always mindful of if you put this on in your car and A, you have kids. B, I don't know. You have like company around that's, you know, perhaps not as keen on the on the language. I fear my listenership would greatly decline if uh, you had to be super selective about the environment in which you listen to this. And uh, so anyway. I hope you could tolerate that minute of this song. It made me laugh because it's like, I like good and I like good smoke so much you wouldn't believe. And I get more than a toilet seat. I'm just like, it sounded, it's, it's like the, if you don't fill in the words and you just mute them, it sounds like you're listening to like a, a, a disc man in 1997 before you could afford to upgrade to the brilliant technology that was electronic shock protection. And you're going on a light jog around your neighborhood and your CD keeps skipping. That, that, it just, it, I don't get why they don't fill in the words. I mean, like, just say kittens and trees, you know? But I guess it's a little too kids boppy. But let me just play one other part that's, like, so hilariously kids boppy. Hold on. Yeah, me and Nate D.O. Double G looking for a couple chickens with some double D's. Pop a little champagne. Me and, and Nate D.O. Double G looking for a couple chickens. With some double D's. I mean, chicas, I don't know, any anything else with two syllables besides chickens. I get that chickens have breasts, but I just, I don't know, it feels lazy. It feels lazy. I, I honestly, I want, I want to be hired to write clean versions of dirty songs. I think I could do a great job. I'd syllabically balance it. I'd focus on the internal and end rhymes, but I would make it so it was, it was logical, you know, and didn't skip over too many words. It's just one of those things where, and I feel this way about comedy, about everyday uh, discourse between humans. It's like cursing is lazy. I think cursing is a crutch for comedy. It has the shock factor. It's it's a it's a way to get a reaction out of your audience without actually having to intellectually construct a sentence, concept, or idea that evokes a reaction or makes somebody laugh. I understand it in a lot of contexts. I think it's funny in a lot of contexts, but I think that excess usage in music and comedy and movies and TV, whatever, I don't know. It just kind of bothers me. And maybe it's because I didn't grow up hearing a lot of cursing. Maybe I was a little bit shielded from it. But when I'm, I don't know, listening to something and there's so many expletives, it's distracting. It takes away from the content at hand. 
And it's not really enhancing my experience whatsoever. So like when people go and watch what happens live and it's a live show and they know it makes Andy mad when they curse and, and they do it, he gets mad and then they keep doing it and can't stop. I'm like, geez, have you ever had a, I don't know, a normal job, been in a church, had a conversation with an elder? Like, can you go 15 minutes without dropping four F-bombs? I just think it's like a good, I don't know, exercise to f- learn how to speak without needing to curse. And I understand a lot, a lot of times those people are drinking. But also with what I, I, some, I really can't watch Watch What Happens Live that often because I get so much anxiety because the people that call in take so long and it makes everybody uncomfortable. And then the guest is trying to be nice. So somebody calls in, they're like, hi, uh, Andy, it's Linda from Wisconsin. Uh, I just want to say I, I love what you do. You're, it's really important. And he's like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. What's your question? And then they're like, and Sonia, I, I think you are so funny. And he's like, and Sonia will be like, oh, thank you. And, and then there's a pause because Sonia interrupted them getting to their question. They're like, oh, yeah, oh, you're, you're, you're welcome. And then they get into their question and then it's eaten up in 90 seconds of live television on a 22 minute program after commercials. And it's like, guys, if you're such super fans that you'd call into something, you know better than to talk for too long. This is not your shining moment. We can't see your face. We don't see your last name. Uh, Half the time, I think that it's like um, producers and like PAs in the back because they don't have callers and they're having to like fake stuff because the question seems so convenient half the time. And also like, I just don't know anybody who calls into stuff. It's just not something I would ever think to do. Um, But anyway, Sonia was on last night and she looked so, so, so beautiful. She was wearing Sonia Morgan, New York. Her skin was flawless. Her hair was flawless. Her veneers were on point. She wasn't missing any teeth. She wasn't sloppy drunk. She was fun. She was sassy. I, I, I'm really proud of her this season. She, you know, to quote Katie Maloney, has been very judicious about her drinking. And I, she's been a good friend to Bethany, even though Bethany's totally using her because she formally reamed her out about Tipsy Girl and she was just trying to make a buck. Uh, say what you want about Sonia. She has kept her daughter completely off TV for like 10 years. Which, she's kooky, and and having her family on could have really, like, enhanced her storyline or humanized her, made her seem like a better mother at times, especially when, you know, Pickles and the interns and all the feces and, you know, her finding her Blackberry in the toilet. I mean, there was a time when I was like, oh, yowzas, she is unhinged. But, I don't know, lately she seems lucid and I'm happy for her, so. Brief shout out to Sonia, but that's beside the point. Well, I guess I don't really have a point, I just sit here and talk, don't I? (laughs) But yeah, anyway, I mean, guys, I'm cool. I'm still cool. You can curse in front of me. I don't care. I just, I'm making an argument for the English language. I am a lover of words. I know I've talked about this before. And like, I also hate when people are so mean to people, especially on TV and like, or make fun of you for using a quote unquote SAT word. Is there anything more ridiculous than making fun of somebody for having a good vocabulary? Is there anything more self-serving to your own lack of range in your vocabulary than to make fun of somebody else for using a quote-unquote SAT word? It really frustrates me because I do like using weird words because they exist and why not tap into a reservoir of underused words in the English language? But I feel like the problem is people think you're trying to come across smart. And that's, it's not my agenda, you know. Like, for example, I love the word penultimate. It's, it's not a huge word. It's not confusing. It doesn't sound overly intellectual. But it just means second to last. Is it easier to say second to last? Does it require a little, a smidge less thought to say second to last? Absolutely. But you, you break out a penultimate in a sentence, and people respect you a little bit more. I feel the same way about... Like, if you want to tell somebody something's important, you can say it's important. You can say it's urgent. But the second you say it is paramount, they listen. <laughs> I swear. There's a, there's a balance to be struck, absolutely. I, I, only at once, you know, every few sentences, not very often in a conversation. Because, like, Patrick, Stassi's ex-boyfriend on Vanderpump Rules, do you remember when he, like, in one conversation, he used the word galvanize and something else, and Stassi, like, the other part is she asked with each word, like, what does that mean, what does that mean? And he kept doing it, and it was so condescending, and, and, like, that I hate. 
If the, well, I guess the point is, if the person has an agenda, it, that is worth hating. If the person just like likes words, let, let them be. <laughs> I mean, I, and I, I appreciate when reality stars do this, too. I think we all started using sanctimonious a hell of a lot more after Thomas Ravenel at that dinner party. I think he was talking to Cameron. He was like, you all are being judgmental, self-righteous, and sanctimonious. I don't know how he said it. It was in the previews forever. And do you remember when Patricia truly, I, I want to say for two seasons, all we saw was this like running promo on Bravo of Patricia going, she's a shameless grumpet. <laughs> you think being from the South, I'd have a better Southern accent, but clearly my Australian accent far exceeds my Southern. But like, what the hell is a grumpet? I literally just Googled grumpet. And Urban Dictionary comes up, and then an article from the LA Times in December 1992. Anyway, uh, as long as people aren't going around being like anti-disestablishmentarianism, then cut them a break, you know? Let people expand their horizons. Remember when that was like the coolest thing you could ever say to anybody? Is that, is it the, I think it's now the second longest word in the English language. I actually don't know what surpassed it. And then there's like the Hawaiian state fish that's like humu humu nuka nuka apua'a, which, you know, High School Musical had a song called that in High School Musical 2 when they did like a Malibu Sands country club style sequel. And, um, you know, I can already tell this is like the worst episode I've ever recorded. <laughs> so far, I've played a horribly edited version of a song disgraced the nature of cursing even though everyone ever does it and i do too and i have no grounds to stand on pretentiously argued for sat words talked about reality stars somehow sharpay evans and dropped the word anti-disestablishmentarianism which i just did for a second time actually you know what just like a brief brag i i did write a poem once and i was able to rhyme that word and i'm like pretty proud of it it's um long story short i was somewhat of a champion speller as a child <laughs> it was all i had and my spelling career came to an abrupt end in the fifth grade when i was given an unfair word and it has served as inspiration for so many of like my papers my essays my speeches and life it was like my first major failure and, and my first major failure in the essence of feeling like something was unfair because the kid that won won on the word language like are you kidding me we, we had language art. We saw that word every day. It was so easy that, that you is, is not tr as tricky as they must have thought it was. Whereas I got the word eucalyptus, which, as we know, is a plant indigenous to Australia. And when I asked for the word in a sentence, they used the word indigenous. And I was like, I'm 10. Like, what? Anyway, I'll get worked up. Long story short. I, I, I write poems and stuff for like a lot of different reasons. Um, but one of which is just like when I'm creatively blocked, I really enjoy like trying to figure out how to piece together a story in the form of several quatrains. Uh, the one about this that is called Eucalyptus goes, when I was a little girl in my world, I feared I did not do much well. But gosh darn, if I knew one thing, I knew that I knew how to spell. You could give me your longest, toughest, wordiest words to try to catch me with eyes before ease. I'll see your eyes and your ease with no C's. Please, I remember with ease. Whether hidden sounds or no vowels. There's no bounds. Long words. It's fun to vary my rhythm. Like anti-disestablishment. No, not done. And an Arianism. <laughs> this is so stupid. Anyways, moving on. I just, you know, I throw some, some well-deserved shade to, to the way things are spelled in the English language. One being, um... About when I get to the stage, my hopes were so high, but I silently sighed, just like high in size H and G. Teacher says I'll be fine, even if tongue-tied fears more useless than tongues U and E. With advice that's sage, I step on the stage for a moment, it's my moment, look at me. But can I shine quite like these kids who might be more bright than the spotlights I see? I spot my mom's red shirt, my dad's off work, their smiles for miles in the crowd. If I lose, will they bail or be mad if I fail? All the while, I just hope they're proud. The bees start with ease, dot your eyes, cross your T's, watch others kicked off the hive. I spell acoustic and hatchet, my eggs in one basket, I conform to the swarm, I'm alive. As the words level master, our hearts all beat faster, is it presence or presence or apprentice? The homophone sting, we start begging, can you please use that in a sentence? <laughs> well, I don't know, if you're dying to know how it ends. <laughs> you're not, I know. I'm almost done. But it, it completes the story if you're wondering how it turned out. I wouldn't want to rob you 
of of hearing the conclusion, much like how I was robbed of my spelling bee title so cruelly. Truly, I it uh, it has been twenty years, and I I am beside myself. I just my life could have taken a totally different direction had I not quit the spelling game so early. But I was very discouraged by this failure, and uh, you know, in retrospect, I don't know why. I think I was embarrassed. It was like a it was like a public thing on stage. It's like the kids in drama and theater. There wasn't somebody like judging them, being like, "You were bad at that role." Like I tried out to play King George in the school play. Not really sure why. He's such a villain. He put taxes on tea. That's so effed up. And I sang my favorite things from The Sound of Music because, you know, in my house, we only watch Catholic adjacent musicals. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But, and I didn't get the part. And I was so sad about that. And that the same year this happened. And like, I I don't know. I don't know. It, it It was too much for a young soul to handle. And like, I'm sure this seems like a weird hobby. Um, but if you like to write, you probably understand. It's just like writing for the sake of writing. And I firmly believe only boring people get bored. <laughs> if you're ever bored, just don't be bored. Do something you like. And I really like rhyming. So, you know, until I write the next Hamilton, eucalyptus will have to do. Okay, where was I? There's three kids left. One is me, best dressed. I hope there's no theft of my win, of my well-deserved title, my show, my recital, or worse, steal my mom and dad's grin. Another guy gets out, misses letters. He pouts. Maybe first could work after all. Third is not preferred. I don't know if you heard. I get my last word. I stand tall. The announcer asks. The audience gasps. I'm certain I did not hear English. Can you please repeat? I say upbeat. My hopes and my dreams extinguished. He says eucalyptus. I think, what is this? I sweat in my pride. I am a swallow. The crowd stands tense. I need a sentence. Did I just hear him say a koala? My last lifeline. I need this to find. Are they trying to say let's fail ya? Imagine my surprise when I run out of time. I didn't study the guide from Australia. I mutter letters out like a sputtering spout. Phonetics can't connect it for me. But can you blame a fifth grade brain for not knowing a U is an E? I start with a U, then a K-E-L, because my sister's name is Kelly. Thank goodness she passed to be in class. She'd be embarrassed by my spelling. And I'll never know why I didn't say Y after L when I spelled I-P-T. I neglected the Y instead of connected an I was not meant to be for this tree. I finished diminished, hoping you was a you, capping off with one final S. The crowd nervous smiles, and all the while the announcer smirks at my guess. With little regret, he says, that's incorrect. He tells me it starts with an E. To spell the rest felt like a cruel jest. He says, U-C-A-L-Y-P. And can I get an amen that it did really end? With a T, then a U-S-Us. Or an abbreviation for the United States nation where koalas are never discussed. I mean, it keeps going and going. <laughs> I'm running low on topics today. Um, I hope you enjoyed uh, story time, show and tell. I hate. It probably tells you everything you need to know about me. That is how I spend my spare time. <laughs> so what is going on this week? Well, on Sunday, there was like an epic episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. The, the show has been so bad for so many seasons. Honestly, ever since... Kim and Chris got divorced and Kanye came in and Kim tried to get more private, but then she realized it wasn't working. And then she put her and her kids on the show, but Kanye is always like hiding in a bush. It's just not the same. And it's, it was really contrived at the beginning. Then it was a really good and raw in the middle with Courtney and Scott and Kim and Chris or Kim and Reggie. And then it went downhill. And then we all know last season, how I feel about them, like typing away at their iPhone that has like giant Kimoji peach butts on the cover while being in like skid row being like oh my god being homeless looks so hard and i'm gonna do my part by hopping back in this escalade and typing furiously on my iphone about how hard it is to probably live outside and like the planned parenthood was one was so bad it's god i mean the problem is like they're just not good actors So I think they just resort to deadpan, very monotone conversation. But Kim's getting like feisty. We saw the first side of it with like the Taylor Swift thing, which I still haven't forgiven her for. I just really don't think it was cool. Um, But then she accosted Courtney on Sunday night. And it's funny. I don't I, I feel torn because bottom line for me is like I I do not understand family members or close friends that talk to each other like that. I don't come from a yelling family. I'm not a yelling person. I have, you know, a decent amount of internal rage. And 
you know, I have a fuse at times, but my fuse is always set off by people that I don't have personal relationships with. My fuse is is longer than a, a CVS receipt for people that I love and care about. Like I, I'll give you every break in the world. Um, but I feel like I, 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 I don't know. I get both sides. I, I, I side with Kim on principle. But I don't disagree with what Courtney was saying. And I feel like everyone's against Courtney, but she's saying what we've all been saying about the Kardashians for years. And suddenly we're like, ugh, Courtney sucks. But what she was saying is like, this family's disgusting. All you care about is fame. All you care about is being on TV. All you care about is making money. When you die, are you going to care about the things you have and the money you make? I'm going to care about memories of my children. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly right, Courtney. Like, she's totally lucid. It totally making sense. The problem is, She's grown accustomed to a certain lifestyle that is now only maintained by her sisters and they're carrying the weight of the work when she doesn't have a job. Granted, I don't think good Americans raking in the big bucks. Uh, Rob is definitely not netting positive. But, you know, Chloe is always there. Always, always there. Kim hustles the hardest. And, you know, Kylie is apparently a billionaire and like Kendall does well modeling. And I, I, Courtney didn't even like launch her app on time two years ago. It, she comes across as lazy, but I think she really does like to be a mom. I don't think her heart's in the business side of things. And she just has to get by on like social media sponsorships and filming in order to fund her 90 day yacht vacations with Eunice Benjima and Penelope uh, Mason, Rain and the gang. It's frustrating because Courtney like acts like she could be this minimalist. She doesn't like gluten. She doesn't eat processed food. She eats this like weird green sludge in the morning. But so like if you really don't care, then go live on a farm and live a minimalist lifestyle and, and maybe don't have your kids all have mini G-Wagon power wheels. Like maybe Penelope can forego like one ostrich mini Birkin so you don't have to work so hard. It's just like this confusing amalgam of them being extremely spoiled and living extremely well, but her wanting to do nothing for it. That's infuriating. I agree with her principles, but it's just not a reality. And if I've learned anything from below deck, not only do you have to pay for those charters, you got you also got to tip them at least like, you know, what, 18 to 25 grand, depending. Well, and that's only for a few days. Imagine what 90 days of tip is. And I hope she treats her crew well. But, you know, who's to say, really? Long story short. I it, it's a stalemate for me because I agree with Courtney on principle about the family values, not necessarily the flexibility of timing because she doesn't have anywhere to be. And it's annoying when people are have like hard and fast, like availability, but not necessarily something specific they need to be doing when other people do have commitments. But I don't agree with how Kim talked to her and then like doubled down and wasn't sorry about it. If there's anything less attractive to me, it's somebody that like loses their cool snaps says really offensive things and then thinks they can say sorry and walk away it's like on housewives when they're always begging for someone to say sorry or just apologize why do you just want somebody to say the word sorry even though they don't mean it they never mean it i, I pushing people for an apology is a hilarious thing I, i'd rather them come to their senses silence is deafening you know the what stood out to me is she was like corny was weeping she hasn't cried since scott broke his hand punching a mirror and had to go to the er when like you know the shards getting on baby mason were like within millimeters it like that was a very intense serious episode she didn't even cry when he stuffed a hundred dollar bill down a waiter's mouth she didn't cry when like kim was trying to like botox scrunch her face cry when she was leaving her husband after what was it famously like 39 days and corny is the one who famously said in one of my favorite scenes ever of all time when Kim had a meltdown and was crying over her lost diamond earring um, below the huts in Fiji. And Courtney was like, Kim, there's people dying. Relax. <laughs> so anyway, the, only, the other part I thought was funny was that um, she wasn't mad. Her work ethic was questioned. She wasn't mad. Her schedule was questioned. She wasn't mad. She was uh, called inflexible and difficult and that she didn't have any other businesses. But when Kim said she is the least interesting to look at is when she snapped and when she wept, which is hilarious. Because honestly, I'd argue Courtney's one of the best ones to look at. She's a little, she's a pocket girl. You know, I love that. And I was really living for post-Scott pre-Eunice Courtney. 
when she was, like, out with Justin Bieber till all hours of the night, just, like, wearing tons of leather pencil skirts. But now she's, you know, the, like, Yeezy extraterrestrial tourist vibe that's going on where they have on, like, space-agey clothes, but then also fanny packs and dad shoes that look like Kirkland's signature white men's sneakers. And I know Balenciaga, like, made those cool, I guess, but, like, are they? I don't know. I... I I am no longer, and that, nor did I really ever look to the case for fashion advice, but Prime Kim was like right before she got married, Kanye had just styled her, you know, got rid of a lot of the thick waist belts, a lot of the sky tops, he, he got rid of a lot of the shoulder pads and put her in like really sleek, streamlined neutrals and high couture pieces. So when she did have detail and color, it was like exquisite and handmade, and otherwise she was just like, you know, dressed in really muted, but still... Uh, at least business casual, if not dressy clothing. But now she's just straight up, you know, in inappropriate athleisure at a five-star restaurant. You know, she's, she's f- photographed outside the valet at Craig's wearing a getup that if anybody else saw it, they would assume you had a serious moth issue when really it's just an intentionally torn easy top and honestly i got i know she loves kanye i know she says she thinks he's brilliant but can you imagine how annoying it would be to have a spouse that was a fashion designer and that was like offended if you didn't wear only their stuff at at a point you'd be like i i I cannot it takes me way too long to pee in this body stocking like i i am tired of trying to pull off a weekday knee pad i i just i i don't understand half of the clothes majority of the clothes actually and the thing is her body is so cute and she's so fit it looks good but it's just like not stuff other people can wear and i I talked about this with revolve fashion and that was only in the context of wearing like cut out rompers because i feel like it's just a lot of skin for you know your everyday housewarming party but you know what are you gonna do i think that i just get frustrated with fashion in general I probably talked about this before, but you know how like every season you'll watch like E or when I used to watch Rachel Zoe or whatever. And they're like, oh, my God, you know, this this season, it is all about camo. We're just in this really unique phase in fashion where we're channeling structured military garments. And I'm just like camo. Literally, the army wears that every day. Literally, that that is the official uniform of a hunter because it's intended to blend in with trees and dirt and grass which are always everywhere. So don't tell me camo's new. What are you talking about? Like, I know you draw inspiration from different places, but I swear every two years we have like a military jacket come back. I swear every two years, like it's all about red. It's all about white. It's all about like a primary color that's always been around. I I just, I don't, I don't really, I don't know. The sources of inspiration are either so like general to things that are pretty ubiquitous or the way they're described are like opposites. I, I feel I remember Rachel's always being like, you know, this season's it's it's all it's all about structure and tailoring and straight lines, but it's also in this really loose and relaxed vibe, in this you know almost deconstructed way. And I'm like, those are opposing ideals. Is it straight lines, tailoring, structure? Is it loose? I I don't know how to dress. I'm very confused. I hate draping. I hate cowl necks. I. Oh, goodness gracious. Moving on. Um, I don't know what to say about The Bachelor because I didn't really watch it. Oh, by the way, I'm going through things people ask me to talk about on Instagram or Facebook. Um, sometimes I have a topic. Sometimes it's just easier to go through current events because sometimes I'll ramble about, I don't know, like my poems about spelling bees instead of talking about current events. Um, uh, you know, the thing with Garrett's hard because that story came out. I knew he won a long time ago. And the problem is the way he got, like, his apology was bad. He was like, I'm sorry if I offended anyone. Not like, I'm sorry I did it. He kind of said he was, like, mindlessly liking stuff. But, like, the content was homophobic. It was about crisis actors and Parkland shooting. It was stuff that's, like, not mindless. It's very mindful and and very, you know, polarizing topics that, unless you really felt that way, you would not be double tapping. My only caveat is that, There are certain people have their like businesses have third party services that run their accounts and based off hashtags will help you like auto like things. That's why if somebody ever follows you and then like 
you notice they follow you again the next day or like you'll randomly get a bunch of followers, but then they all and then you follow them back, but then they go away and then they follow you back. And you're like, what's happening? It's because these like third party services exist. And I did a trial of one and I was so this is probably like last year sometime. And I was pretty like on top of it because I wanted to see because this is like kind of when the algorithm really changed. And I was like bottom of the barrel. And I was like, what the heck am I supposed to do if these are based on engagement and your involvement? Like, I can't sit here and like and comment on stuff all day. So this company reached out to me for like free. They seemed normal and legit and like other people I knew did it. But it um, it's not buying followers. It's literally just liking things. So people see your name, click on you, and then maybe we'll follow you. It doesn't even have like bots or people that follow you automatically. But that said, on like Greg's Discover page, there was this really weird photo of like this woman from behind with a full on thong whale tail. <laughs> and it was like, be there, liked by be there in five. And Greg was like, huh, that's new new interest of hers and so he screenshotted it and i was like oh no i didn't like that that must have been like from when i used that service so then i had to go back and unlike stuff because it was not me so long story short that could happen to people that said garrett had a pattern he didn't have a service because he wasn't a public figure or a business um and the stuff he liked was offensive and you know he probably kind of just comes from like a different world than becca who's like at women's marches and stuff and it's all very confusing and um and he was married like two years ago to a woman that looks just like becca and like dragged her on tv about being physically and emotionally abusive and and i don't know just something doesn't really add up and i just i have trouble feeling like he's a victim i have trouble i don't know all of that said, they they looked so happy, I, almost alarmingly so, because I feel like typically with The Bachelor and Bachelorette, it's more of like they sit there on the couch with Chris Harrison and they're kind of in love, but there's a, a subtle undertone of like a threatening, jealous anger simmers from the winner that I can only imagine turns into like a rolling boil by the time they get backstage because they've just seen footage of them like telling somebody else they love them. I'm sure that The Bachelor or Bachelorette like hugely downplays their feelings for the other finalists and then production hugely exaggerates it and it just is like a perfect storm. But these two, I mean, joyful, jubilant, effervescent even, like not a care in the world. They, instead of boiling water, they were like the carbonated water just jumping out of a freshly open can set free to the world. Why do I use these metaphors? I, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the extra injected CO2 they have there is. I, I, they just seemed really like light, happy, airy, easy breezy and... Part of me thinks, you know, sparkling water goes flat. It, 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 it sparkles nice and it sparkles quick and you got to drink it while it lasts and then it's gone and it is just regular water. But then part of me is like, maybe they just have that X factor that the others are missing. Maybe they really are a good match. I, I, I really, I really don't know. But she got notably skinnier, penciled in her eyebrows closer, heavily contoured her nose and got a little bit of cheek filler, which I would if I saw myself on TV, I have some gnarly asymmetry. But uh, there's a lot of reports saying like she got plastic surgery. I don't think she got plastic surgery. I think people just misuse that term, guys. Like injectables are very easy and very accessible and you can get them for free if you probably, I don't know, even have 50,000 Instagram followers. So why the hell not, you know, zhuzh up a bit if you have to see yourself on television. I don't blame her, but I don't think she got like a serious surgery by any means so i will defend her in that sense and i think she's like a really nice normal girl and that's the problem is like the season was kind of boring because she's so normal that's not a bad thing whenever people are crazy like crystal and throwing fake glitter in our faces we just want them to be normal but then we, we don't even know that we don't want that so you know i'm happy for her i i i like her as a person and i hope garrett is who she wants him to be and i don't think blake was right for her anyway but i i People, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Blake. I was saying, I was watching with a few girls at my house. I was saying he looks like somebody who I'd be like, he looks like a guy friend I'd have who's like tall and vaguely handsome who I'd be attracted to depending on the lighting, what his hair is doing that day. It's like he's um, a handsome friend who you'd occasionally wonder if you could have romantic involvement with, but then the second they show interest in you, you're grossed out because they're still your token nice guy, vaguely handsome friend that doesn't always look good. You know what I mean? Kind of had like a flat cartoon head and like a definitely like swimmer's extra long torso. 
And um, he, had, he had like a kind of, like, I don't know, Eeyore about him. I, I, he, he isn't my type, but, you know, I wish him well. I just don't think he has the gravitas to be The Bachelor. But I said the same thing about Becca. But dare I say I was right. Just saying. I think that there could have been a stronger contender. Oh, a lot of people have asked me what I think about Catherine Dennis tweeting that she's in talks to be The Bachelorette. My personal opinion is that she doesn't really understand what's being asked and that she is in the running for a relationship style dating show. I do not think she is in talks for The Bachelorette. Why? Because Bravo is owned by NBC Universal. Catherine Dennis is an employee of NBC Universal being cast on a Bravo show. And I would imagine there's a non compete where she could not be on an ABC program. Even if she doesn't have a non compete, I would imagine that's largely frowned upon when she'll still be filming for Bravo, inevitably, for the next season of Southern Charm. There's no way in hell she's not going to negotiate a fantastic contract for herself and be on another season after she became the main member. So that's my thought on that. As far as um, Real Housewives in Cartagena, I was a little disappointed with the footage. They should have left the uh, audio on. I get that for safety they had to stop filming, but usually don't they keep the audio on? It just seemed like what we saw was, like, bad and rocky. But it wasn't like, you know, perfect storm insanity where, you know, there was just impending doom surrounding us. Like, I don't know. It it was bad and it was dramatic, but I wasn't it didn't. I I was more I was more distraught after watching, you know, the Alison Dubois dinner party from Beverly Hills or watching Kelly Ben Simone's mental breakdown on Scary Island or even, you know, Aviva putting her leg on the table at Le Cirque. Those are the moments I live for. Uh, natural environmental catastrophe for me isn't as is riveting as perhaps the inherent group drama. And I was I'm really tired of the Carol and Bethany thing. And I just I'm not interested. I'm not interested. And why won't Adam enunciate? Like use your words. It's like a toddler. He's like, hey, Carol, I brought you a trophy. Yeah, you're on the marathon. Drives me insane. Like I said live living laughing loving for sonia luann i think is being a little self-righteous and sanctimonious about her new sober status because i do think it's temporary actually don't we know it's temporary because she is back in rehab well she just got out this week for her cabaret show it's like this weird thing like i don't know it's just season after season it gets worse and worse and nobody does anything about it and it's just confusing and she's slowly losing her i don't know but now it's it's getting a little bit sad and um i i it's like you don't want people to stop drinking because when they did i think that's kind of why the recent bachelor is a little bit boring because they're down to two drinks an hour and why bachelor in paradise will probably be a little bit more boring granted i do not want harassment whatsoever but you know by restricting adults decisions and how much they drink and what they do it is kind of going to affect what goes down because like every housewife fight is a, is when they're drinking this week what happened i don't even remember oh oh god the yeah see i think a lot of things are funny but there's a couple types of humor i do not have one is slapstick physical comedy i i don't find movies funny where they're just like I don't know, like they crash into a table and it breaks in half. And I also don't have bathroom humor, like whatsoever. It is just not my jam. Don't think it's funny. Don't want to talk about it. And like, I'm sorry, showing the stains on the sheets. And so you're talking about her diapers. I'm just like, oh my God, it's so funny. But then it also makes them look borderline elderly. I don't know. It's, it's, it, it was hilarious, but also like so gross and I wasn't ready for it. And I think that it's one of those episodes that I'll appreciate the further I get away from it. And I'll like nostalgically look back on it. But in real time, I was like, this is gross. (laughs) I'm so not here for Bethany being condescending about Ramona's businesses. I just saw her tweet like something about how they're not real. Like, I don't need to go to a party for unicorns. Like, these businesses aren't real. I don't support them. I actually work hard. I actually have a business. And like, here's the thing, Bethany, you're already so successful. You have so much money. You have millions and millions and millions of dollars in real estate and assets and cash in from your beam deal from all of your brands like she you're doing great you'll continue to do great and like these women like you've been through a lot yes with jason and your custody battle and stuff like so have these women they've all gone through like brutal divorces they've they're all getting back on their feet they're all trying to make their own living money does run out and like ramona is self-made wealthy like 
I don't really know what RMS Fashions is and if it still exists and like where her income is coming from, but she just like, I don't know. She has like that multi-million dollar Hamptons house and a multi-million dollar apartment on the Upper East Side and stuff. And I don't think it's from True Faith Jewelry or Mario. I think Ramona was the one, the primary breadwinner, if I'm not mistaken. But I'm just not here for her discrediting other people's efforts, whether the business happens or it doesn't, whether it's successful or it's not. Be there, smile, have a cocktail, have fun. Who cares? That's like what I don't get about people is when you're just like, well, I work so hard that like I'm not it's not about you. Like either don't come and say nothing or go there with a smile on your face. I'm just that's needless cattiness to me. And I that's the that's where I get into that zero F's Erica Jane territory where you the person is so self-absorbed that they think their zero F's are just like only affect them and make them look so cool and standalone. But really what they're doing is they're affecting other people because they're inconsiderate, they're rude, they make people feel isolated, it makes you look cold, and it depletes other people's passion and interest when they're trying to share something with you and connect. And I'm just, I'm not here for it. So Bethany had me for two episodes, she lost me this episode, and I can't wait till Ramona Ramona next week is like, Bethany, you don't support other women. And like, like, it doesn't really work on audio. She, her eyes like bug out better than when she wor- walked on that catwalk. And frankly, I'm thrilled. Um, what else has happened? I mean, Paul and Karini are back on 90 Day Fiance. He's bringing her more cereal and more stuffed animals and more unicorn onesies and slippers. Uh, theory. She is actually 16. How does he know she's 21? When he, when he said that and they were showing that montage of her like dancing in front of her, uh, you know, dancing in front of her eye chat window or skype or something and i was like she looks really young and her interests are so young and maybe in you know a country that's less developed where she didn't have access to these things as a child i can understand her being drawn to them as an adult but like the beanie babies uh, the the wanting to like dress up is like I, I i i don't understand i think she's young i love how she says his name like p-o-l-e pole I love that somehow after all this time, he still like really hasn't learned Portuguese. Come on, buddy. Get, 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 get a Rosetta Stone. Get, get Duolingo. I mean, truly you, learn just like a handful of words and like it, it would do, it would do wonders for you. Maybe even some emergency words, as we all know, with the machete incident and him running into the Amazon River poo water, as he called it, to get out of a conversation while she then almost gets murdered. Not the safest of towns to live in. I don't know. I would get Muzzy if I were him. Do you remember Muzzy? He was that big bear. And the lady was like, yes, that's French they're speaking. And the girl was like, je suis la jeune fille. I've, uh, truly, in life, I've never, ever forgotten that. And I think about it once a week. Je suis la jeune fille. Always uh, comes to my mind. Are you guys, uh, I, I'm boring myself. I am about to hit my head on the desk. I uh, don't want to say I'm busy because it's annoying. Because I'm like busy in a weird way because I just I'm the only person that does my work for my business. And um, it just, you know, it takes a long time to have a handmade business. Speaking of, I need to watch The Handmade Project on NBC. Have any of you guys watched that? I know one of the judges from Etsy, she ran a panel that I did when I did like a speaking gig for them at a conference. And she was really cool. And I remember seeing casting for that, but I could have sworn the casting was in like Charleston or Atlanta only. Like you had to live there. But now that I've seen like previews, it's a lot of woodworking and I would have been a hazard. I'm somewhere between Flea Market Flip and The Handmade Project because the people on Flea Market Flip, I mean, really, I just watch it to marvel at Lara Spencer's tall boot collection that she likes to wear with like mid to knee length skirts that I just can't really understand for a flea market. But she does have a cute little body. I think she's a, a great reporter. I support her career. But the, the furniture people make is so freaking ugly. It's like, I don't know. It's like they're decorating for like a Hollywood Regency Transylvania theme or just like straight up barn garbage. And I, I, there needs to be middle ground, modern, mid-century or clean, bright, white. A lot of painting stuff black that I just really don't understand. I, the, the, those people truly are not maximizing the best use of their time budget and skill set and the fact that they resell them is just like clearly it's got to be staged because nobody's going to pay five hundred dollars 
uh, for like an old medicine cabinet you laid on its side, redid and like turned into a backgammon game. I don't know. It's what? Why did you think of that? Why are you doing this? Just like, oh, something crazy. Make a table. What about a chair? Uh, I guess it would be too easy. So yeah, I think I'm better than them, but I, I, I couldn't actually use the machinery. Long story short, wouldn't have ever gotten casted. Wouldn't have even tried out. Don't know why I'm bringing it up. But I was like a, back in the day, a diehard Project Runway fan. And I always thought it'd be interesting to push yourself and see if you had to, like, what could you come up with? Because I'm just always, I'm kind of obsessed with the notion of us having gifts and skills that are just totally untapped because we'll never be in the right context or circumstance to try something that we'd really enjoy or be really good at. So like, do you ever think about that at night? Like I lie awake and I'm like, what if I was could be a world champion badminton player. What if I have, you know, this incredible ability to, I don't know, like compete in dressage. You guys seen that? It's like horse dancing. It's awesome. Very, I mean, I love those Olympic sports that just take an already kind of niche sport to like another level of specificity where you're like, how'd you get into that? Like, huh, really double down in this one specific area. But you guys are probably sitting there wondering, hmm, how'd you get to writing a really detailed poem about a spelling bee incident that occurred 20 years ago? So God is fair. We're all insane. Oh, the other thing I like have been so knee deep in is um, this Molly Tibbetts case, the girl who's missing in Iowa. I actually haven't been checking the forums today, so I don't really know what's going on. And you guys know I don't really, I'm not a true crime person. It's just not, I don't know, how I like to spend my time feeling like a worse about humanity. But I think it's interesting in this sort of case where the, especially like with issues with human trafficking in the Midwest and, you know, cases like J.C. Dugard or, you know, Elizabeth Smart or whatever, like people coming back alive. And it's, it's. After I saw Room, my life was ruined. Like, that is my, it is a nightmare. I think for any woman to be captured and raped and, uh, like, I, I, I just truly, the, I guess, the, the notion of somebody, like, being out running, going about their day and being a grown woman and being plucked, abducted, and, and is potentially sold into a situation where it's rampant with sexual abuse, whether an individual or group of people or a network or, like, it, it was stuck in a shed or like to have like children. I mean, I, I, I cannot. That, that, that situation to me is just such a nightmare. And it hits home because I guess I, I walk around by myself all the time, day, night, whenever. Like, and I just really think I'd be fine. I could, I'd fight them off. I'd kick them in the nuts. I'd do that thing in the nose to the face. I, I have mace. Like, I, I, when presented with, you know how like um, animals have ink, their spikes go up when they're they're in the like they're threatened by another species. I have that. Like my reaction is not to be quiet, not to be meek. My reaction is to freak the f out and like do everything in my power and just like wildly backpack kid dancing flail until they're just like you're not worth it. That is what would happen in my head, but. These situations just seems like, you know, like, I mean, I, I watch TV. I, I know how chloroform works. I, 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 I this, these situations scare me. Like, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. It scares me so much. And um, anyways, so the, the whole thing is such, it's so fascinating because we're missing a ton of details. But that's how this works because there's a balancing act that law enforcement has to do in regard to how much or how little information we get. Because when there's an investigation going on, anything they disclose to the public or family might compromise the investigation. And they can't really share their like reasonings for the decisions they're making or why they're keeping certain details close to the vest. Like, do they they have the Fitbit data? They don't have the Fitbit data. Or like if she did come home and use her computer, uh, then the Fitbit data doesn't really matter. Right. And like we're just hearing different things. And then like. Of course, the dad does interviews and he's like a grieving, scared father. And he's kind of giving mixed messages. And what I can't tell is if he is being trained by law enforcement or if he's kind of going rogue because he kind of changed his tune this past week. Like, I thought for sure she was she was dead uh, last week. But then this week when he was like kind of almost speaking in a way that was like, you know, speaking to her abductor or suggesting like 
it, he kind of suggested at one point it could be somebody she knew or like that misunderstood the nature of their relationship. But then he took that back. I don't know. Me explaining this is confusing because the case is really confusing. Basically, she was like last seen at, I don't know, seven. She went out jogging. We don't know if she ever came back. We vaguely heard that they have her Fitbit, but like not her phone and wallet or clothes. But then we heard there might have been computer activity afterward. And then her boyfriend opened a Snapchat from her at 10 p.m. When it was sent, we don't know. We know it was opened at 10. He doesn't remember what it said, but it looked like he was in her brother's house, whose dogs she was watching. The dogs were in the basement. There's no sign of, like, struggle in the house or foul play. She just, like, vanished. And um, I, 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 I just don't know what to think, I guess is my point. There's a lot of hype around the dad, like suggesting she's still alive. I, I again, don't know whether to see this as him miscommunicating information um, or if he's in denial. But like, I don't know. I feel like if the law enforcement thought she was dead, then I don't know. But they, who knows? I'm not like I'm not smart enough to figure this out because the way that they're talking to the public is essentially the way they need to be talking to this main suspect. The, the messaging needs to like basically trick them right so i feel like anything we're hearing we're probably being misled a decent amount too but isn't that such like a weird concept like a hard thing to grasp if this happened to your loved one or family member you'd be working with uh, law enforcement and you would like want to trust them and you'd want like minute by minute updates but yet like they aren't really telling you anything on purpose because you can't be trusted with the information but yet you're supposed to trust them it's it's this weird dance of like the people who are most entitled to the information often don't get it because they're not media trained and they don't understand the intricacies of a criminal investigation so telling them too much could jeopardize the outcome so i don't know the other side of this is like regardless of like what he's saying is it in is does he know that it's in his best interest to kind of keep his daughter in the headlines because we like don't there, no new details seem to ever be emerging it's all just like internet rumors um so i guess the only way like if she in the off chance she were still alive the father knows the only way to get to her or her abductor is through the media and it kind of allows him to like just be able to do something. I I would just be like moving for the sake of moving, you know what I mean? It's he I it, it's like if you have no details, no leads, and you're not even allowed to work on it, like what the hell would you be doing? You'd be going absolutely crazy. Um, but somebody in like some Facebook group I'm in was kind of saying like uh, the, he thinks the media it's picked up and become this big story more so than anybody else that's gone missing because like the dad really like humanized her and people kind of really feel for the dad and the way he speaks about her and like law enforcement treats it like a case but he's really explained i don't know presented her in this way that could be any of us and it's almost a vehicle for us to like really feel more empathetic and involved and that's like the other problem though it's like wow the reward is like what two hundred fifty thousand, almost three now like where is that money coming from that's so much money there's like over 30 people missing right now in the state of Iowa, which is weird and suspicious, though. I, I For anything for me to say anything's weird or suspicious, I would need like a benchmark to to know what the norm is for number of missing persons in that area. But it just it sounds high. And why this one girl? And then, of course, it's like, well, if it's like a well off white girl, that's kind of annoying. Not that her case is any less important, but point being, every case is really important. So let's talk about every missing person and what their circumstances are. Um, because like this has caught my attention so much. And if this is going on like uh, rampantly, what else can we do? Like I, I will be involved and pay more attention, but it's like, this is just story is picked up beyond, beyond anything else recently. And I, it's kind of like the girl from IU. I was so involved in like trying to figure that out because I was recent college graduate that also walked home all the time in my tiny college town and felt totally safe. And it, and you know, it was just like, you, you can't, it's hard to understand how something could go so, so wrong that somebody would just completely vanish because you think of like what you're doing. And I mean, I, I could not have a bigger footprint everywhere I go. Um, but, and like, it was weird that they found like that other girl's body who jumped out of the car. Um, 
after her and her boyfriend got in a fight. I mean, I don't know. There's just like a lot going on. There's just a lack of relevant information, a lack of suspects. You don't have suspects. You can't have any warrants without any official like investigations, without a crime scene. Like that's the problem with being vanished. There's not a crime scene. There's like several. It's point of abduction, like first uh, touch point of like kidnap location. And then if there's like a body and they're dead, it's like the place where they were left off. And like, I don't know. It's just whatever. But I just I'm hoping she's alive. I'm hoping she's OK. I'm hoping that you wouldn't have like 30 to 40, you know, specialists on the case if they didn't have like a good feeling she was alive. And I'm praying for the best outcome possible. Because what a nightmare. And I know I'm going to, you know, maybe not walk around with my headphones at night anymore. I really got to stop doing that. It's uh, there's so much commotion in the city. You just feel safe, you know. But I'm sure she felt safe in her, her small town. You just really don't know. Wrong place at the wrong time, I guess. I, I, I still am uh, not of the thought that she is with somebody she knows. Um. But I don't have any good reason for that whatsoever. I'm just really hoping she is alive. Um, but anyway, more to come on that, maybe, hopefully. Oh, no, my HVAC just kicked on. Maybe that's my cue. It's like my Oscar music, because now it's like 78 in here, which I usually keep it like 69, 70. But I turn it off when I record and I'm like sitting in uh, the afternoon sun beaming on me. Um, but anyway, guys, you know, this wasn't my strongest episode. But I always have fun talking to you. I think, like, if I'm ever not having fun or seem off, it's just in fear that you're not going to like this and this is bad and that this will be the one episode where you walk away. But you know how it goes. Inspiration ebbs and flows. I also want to thank everybody who reached out about their business regarding um, advertising my listeners' businesses. I really want to do this. I Instead of, like, pursuing these weird advertising opportunities of companies I don't even use or... I don't know. I am a small business. I'm still a small business that struggles to get out there and get my name out there. Uh, this whether it's my mats and artwork and handmade business or this podcast or whatever, like I I I live the struggle of getting myself out there. And I think with my own stuff to a point when you have a platform, you saturate with your own thing, but there's a great opportunity to reach a targeted group of individuals that have similar interests. And that would probably really enjoy and appreciate your products and stories. And I want to share them. And I want to get the word out there and help your business grow. And like I said on Instagram, over 25,000 unique listeners. I wouldn't charge. Like, I'm, I'm working on like tiers, but it all under 200 $250, depending on like how long and how many. But like really inexpensive relative to what most podcasts charge. And an opportunity to reach a lot of people and um, a lot of people specifically in the women, you know, 25 to 54 category, which is like a, the, the, the holy grail of demographics uh, in terms of purchase power and just like general, you know, awesomeness. And I say that because I'm in it. I remember when I, um, I used to when I worked in market research, I used to think I was like so funny when my friends turned 25. I was like, congrats to the newest member of W25 to 54. Because like all we talked about all day long with our clients, CPG clients was um, how to reach more women 25 to 54. It's like adults 18 to 34 is like a really big one for TV. But for a lot of, um, you know, consumer packaged goods, cosmetics, grocery, retail, etc. Women 25 to 54 is, is uh, where you want to be. So that's where I'm strong. And I did notice upon looking at my stats that I, I, I have a couple hundred listens in Australia. And, you know, I'm sure that is not going to happen after last week's, you know, experimentation with my accent. And then this week's um, shade thrown in, in rhyming form against eucalyptus trees and koalas. But did you guys know that a, 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 the, the gestational period of a kangaroo, it's like the cra- read about it. It's really interesting. It, they have the ability to pause. Their pregnancy, if they feel that their joey isn't getting enough nutrients, like how crazy is that? Why can't we do that shiz? Uh, why can't if if we our babies aren't healthy? Why can't we hit pause and and do what we can to make things right? It's like, isn't it so interesting how every animal is uniquely made? I am um, I'm going to a christening this weekend, and I bought books that are both biblical and about evolution. You know, so the kid can make their own decision. But I was reading the evolution book, and I'm like marveling. And how complicated we are as beings. And it's just, 
it gets to, it's like when you were a kid and you when you were a kid like last week when you lie awake at night and if you're not thinking about you know what if i could be the world's best badminton player thinking about like the galaxy and stars and skies and how we all got here and it's like this weird balance of like you believe in and understand science but also like everything is so wildly intricate and imaginative imaginative you just like have trouble we all emerged from like just a, a mass of matter you know, but as I always say, I don't want to live in a world where I can conceivably understand everything that happens, exists, and how everything works. Because otherwise, uh, magic wouldn't be out there. Miracles wouldn't be out there. And, you know, based on this week's podcast, I need a miracle. To quote Eric Bigger from Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise, it's miracle season. <laughs> what a dumb catchphrase. Like, of all things, to put on a t-shirt, a, truck, a trucker cap, it's miracle season? Like, is it? I don't know. I'm just thinking of it like hockey game, that miracle thing. Um, but anyway, I'm going to head out. We're over an hour somehow. If you want a better episode, I, I think the last two I put on Patreon, like I really liked them and I got really good feedback on them. One's really raw, emotional, intense. I cry. The next one, I only cry once, but I also like laugh a lot. I'm reading my journals from like the time leading up to when I met Greg. Next week's the entries after I meet him and I'm dying to see what they say, but I'm waiting till I record. And it's like, Kind of emotional and prophetic and interesting to see a time capsule of my emotions at a very volatile but exciting time in my life. And I think it's a lot of emotions that single people feel when it seems like there's no end in sight. There's nobody out there. It's never going to change. It's, it's just oh, it gives you so much perspective to look back on a time when you thought you were stuck, when really you were just like in such fast motion to where you're ultimately supposed to be that like it's just you'll never really have that realization unless you're able to to really see like a recording of it um and yeah go to patreon.com slash be there in five um it's also in the show notes uh dm me email me whatever if, if you can't find it uh, it's stuff that's like pretty personal that i don't know i just really don't feel like having out on the open airwaves especially because like so much of my life and my stories involve other people who didn't like sign up for like any old coworker or random person to be able to like log on and listen to this uh, paywall does wonders for uh, privacy and uh, a circle of trust, a safe space of people that really liking, like the podcast and care and people that are also my Facebook group who I love and who are awesome and so supportive and keep me going. And uh, to those of you, thank you again for being there even in my off weeks. Um, and yeah, I'm off to happy hour with my sister and going to my dermatologist then headed to my hometown where I get to see my nephews and my niece and spend time with my family. And I'm so excited. And I am so jealous of all of you that get to go home and eat dinner on a Sunday. My God, what I wouldn't give to just do like a once a week, good old fashioned family gathering to eat my parents' food, to sit on their couch and drink chocolate milk and be a child again. I live to go to my parents' house, but I, when you're a plane ride, it becomes harder. And then when you get married, it becomes two plane tickets and it gets expensive and getting older is just the pits. And I thought when I was 30, I would be like, you know, I don't even know what I thought I'd be doing, but I literally feel the exact same I did when I was 15. And all I want to be doing is just logging hours on my parents' couch while they ask me if I need anything. And I do, I need everything. I need, I need a grilled cheese. My mom makes the best grilled cheeses. My dad always has the fridge stocked with all of my favorite things. He always has the best shows recorded on the DVR. He records all the Hallmark movies the entire season before I get home for Christmas. So that way I have the entire catalog once I get myself sat on that couch. <sighs> anyway, maybe I'll be close to home someday. But for now, I am in Chicago. If you're in Chicago, I'm thinking about doing some sort of meetup thing soon. So I will be reaching out somehow, some way to see who's here and who would want to come because... I am scared no one would show up to a function I held. I always wanted to start a business called Party People that was crowdsourcing for like people around that were background checked and cool and normal that wanted to make friends, but you also wanted some buffer at your housewarming party. So if people like, you know, show up and like you're still in the shower, they have like someone to talk to and also to make it like not look lame because the people that show up on time are usually not your closest friends because your closest friends know better. So yeah, Party People, you know, inviting strangers into your home. Kind of like Airbnb, but just for 30 minute time increments where you pay them a very small amount and also give them free booze and food and they get to make friends and everybody wins. Copyright. All rights reserved. 2018. Be there in five. I'll see. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to leave you with, well, 
you know, I love a theme, a riff off of two similar titles. And we started with Shake That. I'm not going to leave you with Shake It Off, Taylor Swift, my least favorite song of hers. I'm not going to leave you with Shake It Out, Florence and the Machine, even Shake by Pitbull, which I love. Well, Ying Yang Twins featuring Pitbull, I believe. No, I am not going to shake it like Metro Station or even shake it off like Mariah Carey, a la the emancipation of Mimi and also the exiting of Kiki, is what my nephews call me. And when I exited being interested in Mariah Carey because I hated that album, even though a lot of people said, said it was good. It was nothing compared to like Butterfly, Honey, etc. That's um, neither here nor there. No, I am going to leave you with a song that has a very profound lyric that for years now I have, again, in addition to the wondering if I could be a badminton player, wondering about the moon and the stars in the sky, I have lied awake at night wondering what the hell it means. When one Nelly said, is that your ass or does your mama have reindeer? To this day, I don't know. And if you know, please tell me. I will leave you with Shake Your Tail Feather, which I did hear live last year. And it, it made me fall in love with this song all over again, you know? So I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. And uh, I hope it gets your weekend started in the right way. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. Yeah.